Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media. It's a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Reason, alongside my good friend Armando. We have a loaded show to talk about tonight. It's it's bittersweet. It knocks me off my feet. It's just a lot of a lot went on in Kansas City sports this week. Some good, some bad. But everything will be talked about here, starting with my good friend Armando. Armando, my dude, what, what have you been up to this week? Um, what have I been up to? So I leave to Cooperstown next week. So I've just been trying to get things together. I spent the weekend Father's Day with um, with my father-in-law and mother-in-law up in Fort Collins. Uh, nice. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. But the, dude, the time is just flying. Like, like, can you believe that we're already at the end of June? Oh, dude. I mean, this is this is wild. And and it's not even like a like a post COVID. You know, like okay, I'm out of the depths of my of my bedroom. I've turned off the Netflix and I've gone to the store to get to get my milk. Like, no, it's just like it just feels like time is just flying, man. So yeah, I I'm going to Cooperstown do some opera stuff next week. Week and I've just been trying to get everything together for it. It's been wild, man. Uh, how about you? How was your Father's Day? Did you do anything fun? Uh, yeah, I went back up to Iowa and I saw my parents. I saw my grandparents. I uh, got a chance to get some crispy beers from Ooh. my favorite place up north, Single Speed Brewery, which will I be reviewing one of their beers tonight? <laughs> I'll never tell. I can't wait for you to because I because you've talked about it so much, but I've never had any, any of the I, yeah I haven't had any of the beers right yeah not um, yet not till you get down here and I give you a big old box right, full of them that's right I have a box full for you too of some stuff that I can't wait to to give to you but oh gosh, um, beer exchange I feel like what what's been going on oh you know well this kind of segues into the next thing if I if I do say so myself but you can always take this back as well. But no, dude, the, the NBA playoffs have just been absolutely wild. I mean, I guess that's what I've been doing every evening. These have been great playoffs. I love them. So the recent game of uh, or game one Suns Clips, DeAndre Ayton does the alley oop with 0.6 seconds left. I was telling Bro. you on the text chain that that might be the craziest thing I've ever seen in the NBA. Like I've seen buzzer beaters, right? I've seen four point plays. I've seen you know Michael Jordan taking the dunk from the free throw, but to do an alley oop dunk to end the game with 0.6 seconds left and like the way it all transpired was absolutely wild. I think it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in, in the NBA. It was a pretty bold strategy. I, I, I've seen that done before, but never in like must win leverage situations like that. You know, it's usually like catching them off guard. The equivalent of, you know, when someone like inbounds the ball, when the defender turns around and they just like take it off their back and do a lip. No one would do that with under like three seconds left to play in the game. Right. Like there's, there, there was one that got taken back, I think, a few years ago. The Warriors did an inbounds play to Iguodala, but I think Steph, Steph actually made the shot. It was like a half-court throw-in to do an alley-oop, but Steph accidentally made the shot, which you can't do, and and, and Iguodala never touched the ball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, that was pretty cool, but didn't count. So Is it is it a technical foul? I feel like it's the kind of crap to be like, oh, it's a technical foul. It's, that's a free throw in the ball. Well, what actually works... But which I wasn't aware of is that you're allowed to goaltend on a throw-in. So I don't know how that works 
specifically, but apparently that worked to Phoenix's advantage and no one really knew that rule except for like Monty Williams. So he was like, yeah, if it's above the rim, go ahead, just throw it in. Like literally just tip it in if it's above the rim. So I mean, it worked. That makes sense. By the way, the Hawks, the Hawks are up one zero on the Bucks, and for all of our <laughs> our betting fans out there, the odds for the Hawks to win the championship was I think one in eleven. So uh, someone on this podcast, maybe named Hot Take Mondo, put ten dollars on the Hawks and could Ooh. could possibly win one hundred and ten bucks. <laughs> Ooh, wow, that's a big spender, dude. It's, it's too bad though because the Hawks are like the one team at this point I don't want to win the NBA Finals. I'm sick of really. Trey Young. Dude, you are. A Trey Young hater? Why? Uh, he he's a little too full of himself. I, I think really? he's a little too full of himself. Yeah, but like, yep. but but is he? So he he's a third year player. If you're gonna lead your team and you're gonna beat the 76ers and like have a chance against the Bucks, don't you have to be a little bit full of yourself? Uh, I mean, you especially do. with that motley crew out there with John Collins, the what's that guy? What are they calling him? The the Ginger Mamba and Kevin Herter. Well, here's the here's the thing though. It's like if you're gonna feel yourself, there has to be something cool about it. You know, like some sort of bad boy air about it. Something about him doing that doesn't feel cool. I the, the best way no, the best way I can describe it is there was this dude in WWE named Bobby Roode, and he came out doing this gimmick where he was in this big old like long just like jeweled robe, you know, kind of kind of like Ric Flair, uh, Gorgeous George. Dudes in the past used to do that, and he would come out and he'd be dancing around and like waving his arms in the air and all this stuff, and it's like that's not cool. Like him doing, he here's the thing. I, I should have told you. He looked like someone's like high school gym teacher. Like he's six one, very square face, great beard. Like just like a super square dude. I'm like, this isn't cool when you do it. If you just came out and were like stone faced wearing this, that would be cool on you. This not cool on you. The way Trey Young is feeling himself is not cool. I don't know what it is, and I will have it in words, but well, it's, something about it is not cool. I mean, he just he just put 48 on the Bucks. I, I'm going to have to look at the highlights because I actually didn't watch the game today, but he put 48 in a win, like super impressive. And I think one of the biggest things, the reason why I like him is because like Hawks and Trey have been synonymous with the worst um, trade in NBA history, right? The Hawks moving down to get Trey as opposed to staying where they were going to stay to get Luca. And they've always been this like, you guys are idiots idiots to get Trey and look what happened you know Trey and also DeAndre Ayton DeAndre Ayton was taken above Luca now Luca is still better than both these guys but they're looking like not bad moves like like they're not looking like the most boneheaded like Sam Bowie move in the world like he, he he's always had this chip and I don't know I'm, I'm I'm kind of a Hawks fan not only because of my money but because of the swagger you know maybe it's because it's, it's the role of the heel he's playing right now where I think he could play a really good... He'd, he'd be a better Rick Rude. That's what he needs to be. He needs to be the guy that's like, oh, man, you, you always get the best of me, and this always sucks that you get the best of me. Where right now, he's like... He, he, oh man, this is so weird. He's like this kind of like <laughs> hardcore feeling himself. You know, like, I'm a tough guy, but it's like, but you're not a tough guy. You'd be super better... As the guy that like just always gets away, you know, like catch me if you can. You turn the corner, like he's already gone. He's just like peace, you know. That's he's, he's kind of yeah. He's kind of turning into it, man. But yeah, I'm not counting anybody out right now. Like I actually don't like any team in particular. That's like you know an alpha male. They're all just 
good teams. There's no, I don't think any four of them are great. I just think they're good. And I think that's what makes the games really fun to watch because they are pretty leveled. So yeah, it's been great, man. I agree. I agree. Great playoffs. I think, I think I'm a Suns fan right now because I got a bunch of uh, Suns fans over Boulevard. So yeah. Hey, I've been a Lakers on this. Hold on. I've been a Lakers fan my entire life. Everyone knows that who listens to the pod regularly. I lived in Phoenix for most of my life, so I cannot root for the Suns because of all the that I took when I was a kid for years and I still take to this day that I was, you know, a Lakers fan in Phoenix, although that's I was born there and I, I grew up watching Kobe and Shaq. Like these are these these were my childhood heroes. So I hate that the Suns are doing so well. But if I am just looking outside of my hometown goggle glasses, they're playing pure basketball. That's it's it's great to watch. Okay, so my very last question about the Phoenix Suns and the NBA playoffs. Uh, are we turning into an NBA pod? I don't I know. know. Oh, I'll man. never tell part two. <laughs> okay, so are these Phoenix Suns, let's let's say uh, CP3 comes back. Are these Phoenix Suns better than the Nash Stoudemire uh, D'Antoni Suns? You say no? Not a, not a chance. Not. I mean, that team was so special. The only reason, again, I, you're right, I don't want this to become an NBA pod, so I'll try to be as brief as I can about this. That team was incredibly special, but they they had so many great teams during that time that it was really hard for the Suns to to progress in the playoffs. They had the Lakers that were just on a roll. I mean, th- th- this was Kobe's, this is my team. This was him proving that he didn't need Shaq tours and they, they couldn't stop him. This was Tim Duncan in his prime. This is Dirk still trying to make a run, right? Dirk and the Mavs look great as well. The Suns have not faced a team that has been healthy. Let's look at round one. LeBron AD. When AD played, they won every single one of those games in the playoffs. Two. Wait, wait. Let me stop you right there. Let me just uh, quick, quick. Um, then they play. Who do they play in the second round? Uh, the Denver. Okay, so they they just played Denver. No Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. looks like a vegetable. Okay, so it's just Jokic down there, and he played well, but it didn't work out. And three. There's no Kawhi. There's not going to be a Kawhi. Probably we're hearing that that ACL injury is a lot worse than we think. And CP is going to come back in Game Three. They haven't played a healthy team, and that is the big knock again. Them. It's a very good team. Booker's playing out of his mind, but we cannot knock that that Suns team with Nash, Stoudemire, Marion, Joe Johnson. I mean, oh, it was a wonderful team, and it was it was a headache to watch. Was there one player on that team that was better than Devin Booker currently is? Are we really going to have a Steve Nash Booker conversation? Oh, no. I might. Okay, okay, okay. They are two completely different players in completely different eras. I think Steve Nash is was better at what he does, but Booker is the more talented player. He's the better shooter. He's, he is an unbelievable pure shooter, can shoot in, in the end of like the fourth quarter. Steve Nash could not do that, but again, I can have another podcast about why Steve Nash grew up in the wrong era because Steve Nash could be that guy to shoot the last shot in the fourth quarter, but that's not what he was built for in those times. So yes, Booker is more talented, but Steve Nash was all around the better player. 
So I guess this is a long way uh, to get to my second question. Which <laughs> that we just need an NBA be, pod. <laughs> no, are, are, are these guys better than like the 94 Charles Barkley sons? Oh, no way. No way. <laughs> I mean, Charles Barkley was the uh, Charles Charles Barkley pound for pound. I know we use that for like short players, but I'm using this for a big player pound for pound. The most talented athlete. I would say if. Oh, no, I don't want to go this far. I'm going to go this far. Hot take Mondo. If, no, Jesus back. If Michael Jordan, if it was a one-on-one game, Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley would have won. Oh, my gosh. That is the coldest take you you've know ever that. made. You know that. He would not. He was bigger. He was more powerful. He can just bully Michael to the rim. Like, he, he was so powerful. He was unstoppable. Michael... Michael would have gotten into Charles' head, and Charles knows it. <laughs> well, he would have gotten into Charles' Charles head. Charles was a he great defender. Charles was skinny at that time. There, an, another podcast, uh, him talking about losing weight, is a really good podcast. Anyway, um, no, he was just more athletic, and he would have just bullied him in the paint. He just backed I, him up to, uh, if they played a game of 21. It's not that simple. If, <laughs> if it was that simple, then like Shaq would beat everyone in one-on-one. He probably would. I mean, we could have that conversation, too. But Shaq, who, who would Shaq lose to in a game of 21? So you're telling me Nikola Jokic would beat Trey Young in one-on-one just because he would just like back him to the post the whole well, time and he'd never been shot? Uh, maybe not the Joker because Joker is inathletic. Oh, oh, so now we're splitting hairs. Yeah. Okay, well then <laughs> well, I'm no, just, I've been talking about athleticism the whole time. Like Charles Barkley was incredibly athletic, incredibly. He was athletic. pretty athletic. He was pretty athletic. Uh, I would just say that Charles Barkley would shut Devin Booker down. Like Booker would get like yeah. 25 a night, but it would be like averaging 40 shots a game during the series. Totally, totally. I know. I, I totally yeah. agree with you. But uh, but you know I. Yes, Nash is great, and that team was great. But yes, this team is special. Booker is special. Um, speaking about Michael Jordan or is Kobe Bryant, sorry, uh, Kobe was a great mentor to Booker. Was trying to mentor someone else. If 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 we want to stick with the script and you want to keep going on this, Kobe tried to mentor a certain player. It didn't work out. If you know who I'm talking about, Reese, I know you're talking about. We got to get rolling though because oh, we're 14 minutes deep in on this pod. We got actual right. Kansas City stuff to talk about. <laughs> all right. Hey, guys. Guys, if you like what you hear and you want to hear us talk more NBA uh, shop talk, you should let us know on yeah, Fountain let City us know. SM we are, at Instagram. We are ready at a moment's notice to to branch off. <laughs> yeah, man. Hit us up on Fountain City SM on Instagram, Facebook at Fountain City SM, and Twitter at Fountain City SM. And also check out the Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM where dreams come true, including getting enough to make this wonderful logo. So just so you know, we're putting that to work for you. Yeah, a lot of great feedback on the logo. Shout out again to Yup Yup Design. Wonderful. Thank you again. Well, uh, one last thing before we really dive into the meat of the conversation today. Uh, Last week, we composed an email on air to Holiday Brewing Company in Colorado. Have we heard anything back from Holiday yet? Yeah, so this was actually a really fun segment that I kind of just made up. Let's just write it to him. It was really not it was was not fun to edit. It probably <laughs> sounded like, oh, look at how 
kind of eloquent these guys are. There was so much dead space that I cut out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we were just like, uh, dear holiday library. It was, it was pretty funny. Anyway, yeah, they actually got back to us immediately and they gave us an email to their marketing person and they said, you know, email and we'll go forward. So I just recently did that um, and stay tuned. Yeah, hopefully we, we get a response. But from the looks of it, things look things are looking great in that arena. And it was kind of just on a whim. I was like, Reese, got to do it. Fantastic. Holiday Brewing Company. Can't wait to get in contact with them more. Making some high quality gluten free beers that my wife and other celiac individuals can enjoy without sacrificing any of the quality taste you've come to expect in your favorite craft beers. Yeah, and go to go to your local um, Kansas City uh, liquor store, and it should be there. I actually looked at their where where they distribute, and Kansas City is one of the few places that they distribute. So yeah, head to your liquor store and try it out, and let us know. Send us a DM. Well, speaking of Kansas City, it has been a big week in Kansas City sports with some good, some bad, and some ugly. Very ugly. Uh, Jeepers. Even uglier than Ben Simmons' jump shot. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, baby. Okay, time to go from the ridiculous to the even more ridiculous, unfortunately. (laughs) We're going to start with some Kansas City Chiefs talk. Just get this uh, out in the air and out of the way. So, uh, this past week, star defensive end Frank Clark was arrested in Los Angeles after routine vehicle citation. He was found to have an Uzi sitting in an open gym bag sitting on the passenger side of his car. Now, what's the big deal, you might ask? People get arrested like this all the time. Yes, it wouldn't be such a big deal if the fact that he weren't arrested for the same thing just a few months ago in March in Los Angeles. Uh, Armando, what? (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, um, but I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. I think the biggest concern that we have right now is what is the NFL going to do about this? Because there's no way that Roger Goodell is just going to be like, oh yeah, two arrests for for illegal firearm possession? Fine. We'll see. We'll see in the Super Bowl, Frank. No, like, of course something's going to happen with the NFL. I'm sure the Chiefs are going to have their own disciplinary thing happening as well because there was uh there was a report even before this had all happened um during the uh voluntary training camps frank clark was one of the few people that did not participate in it and some were speculating that it was because of injuries and that he was trying to rehab and he's trying to get better on some injuries that he had from the previous season frank clark this does not bode well for you at all all for any of that stuff right nope. um so now we as kansas city fans not only are we worried about suspensions but now we're worried about where is your heart frank clark what is your commitment to this team this is this is a contract year for you and th- if this is how you're gonna act like like frank clark personally hot take mondo is upset because hot take mondo was fighting for you on this podcast uh, if you recall reese and the Casey Kid Noah did not like Frank Clark before all this happened, and I was saying, wait, guys, wait, 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 you got to give him a chance. Well, okay, maybe okay, fake um, news. Okay, maybe that you didn't like him, but that he didn't live up to his expectations, which he hasn't. Which okay, which he hasn't. And then I said, 
I said, guys, give this guy a chance. He's athletic. You know, he's a great defensive end. Just wait till next year when he has another year under his belt. Forget I'm dropping all of that. Hot take Mondo. Hot take Mondo's heart is broken today because he wanted to root for Frank Clark and I no longer am rooting for him because his heart is not with us. Well, I mean, if you ever wanted to have a year where it's like, hey, we need you to prove it this year, guess what? Now you got to prove it and then some because I think they are just looking for a reason to drop him after this next year when we can't, won't take as big of a cap hit. Get that guaranteed money out of the way and then cut ties. Because as you mentioned, I think he's playing well. I think he's playing like a dude worth a $60, $70 million contract. He is not worth being paid over $100 million in this contract. That's strike one. Strike two is the fact that not only was he arrested for the same thing back in March in Los Angeles, uh, coming to the Kansas City Chiefs kind of was his mulligan, so to say. He has domestic abuse as well as breaking and entering already on his record, which this is what sucks. He's been such a great leader for the team. He's been so vocal. He's been sticking up, getting our guys hyped. I would say outside of Tyron Matthew, you know, he's probably the most important defensive leader, eh, maybe tied for second or third on our uh, defense side of the ball. But... Man, where did this come from? You know, it's 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 just so frustrating. And I know people are like, well, you know, you might not know the gun laws in California. They vary from state to state. Gun laws are pretty loose in Kansas and Missouri. Yes, but again, if you were just in California and it sounds like you got up close and personal with the gun laws back in March, why would you let it happen again? Reese, I'm going to throw a question at you. If you are Brett Veach, would you consider making a deal for a lot less money? And Frank Clark saying, hey, this actually might be my best chance because now my my stock has gone incredibly low. Do you take a low um, a lower contract for Frank Clark or do you just cut ties completely? I mean, we're not going to cut ties this year unless there's some sort of clause in his contract that, you know, behavior detrimental to the team like this would void the contract because they're not just going to cut him and eat his money this year because then it's just like, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face, so to say. But I think that's why I'm saying he's got to play above and beyond his contract this year if he has any hope of sticking with this team past this year. We, we can dump Frank Clark's money. We can dump Hitchens' contract. And suddenly, we got we don't just have cap space. We have cap multiverses. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw another thing at you, and you don't have to respond, and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. If Frank Clark leaves, is this just another positive excuse to put Chris Jones at DE defensive end? does he take over the frank clark role i mean i don't think you take over the frank clark role i think they're built too differently and i mean jones really is built more for an interior defensive lineman in the nfl as opposed to a defensive end uh oh man i think this would just put more pressure to find a replacement for clark somewhere else rather than move all of Jones's reps out there because moving Jones the defensive end initially seemed to be more of a luxury kind of thing they were going to try not necessarily a day-to-day operation all so, right yeah because yeah, I because and yeah again this isn't a huge Chris Jones podcast but I will say I have heard some speculation from training camp that Chris Jones has taken a lot of reps at defensive end that he normally hasn't in, in training camp and with this Frank Clark news 
you know, could it be that he's going to be taking more snaps because we are a little deeper on defensive tackle, right? We, you know, Darren, uh, Darren Reed back in, you know, maybe Nandi, maybe this is his ear. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there, but I'm, I'm hearing a lot of defensive end chatter and I don't know if it's just speculation or if this is like real chatter, Chris might move and maybe, maybe this Frank Clark thing is, uh, all right, forget you, Frank. It's, it's, it's Jones season. Yeah, maybe. I've heard talk of Frank Clark being on the defensive end primarily for running downs and keeping yeah. him interior for passing downs, which would make sense with the skill set. But this isn't to dis- distract us from the fact that Frank Clark was caught with an Uzi and an open <laughs> duffel bag in Los Angeles. Which which he uh, apparently blames that it's his bodyguard's Uzi and not his Uzi. Which, which makes... <laughs> Well, it's the, then Sorry. I heard um, um, the guy that used to be on 610, the show, uh, he said on a podcast recently, he was like, if if I am the bodyguard, I'm doing nothing for Frank Clark, you know, no, in, in like a normal day basis. And Frank Clark is the one making the money. I'm saying it's my Uzi and I'm doing jail time because that is my that is my breadwinner right there. So I'm saying my my bad officer, my bad. <laughs> well, it's like, the, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I mean, the, wouldn't that testimony just make it even worse for him? The fact that he has someone else's gun open in his car in Los Angeles. Yeah. Isn't that a felony at that point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 there is no good situation here. And if it's if it's the second strike in the same season for the same crime, like things just don't look good for Frank Clark. And that just sucks as, as a Kansas City fan, especially as me, Hot Take Mondo, because, man, I was really rooting for this guy. Well, now, one thing we got to keep in mind here is that, you know, we are in America. You are innocent until proven guilty. And if we are going to back Tyreek Hill the way we did, which ultimately turned out, you know, wasn't as cut and dry as it was initially reported. We do have to extend the same grace to Frank Clark in the situation. See, maybe this was some sort of misunderstanding. I don't see how, but you know, yeah, I maybe mean, <laughs> <laughs> moderate, moderate Reese over there. You're right. Level a uh, cooler heads prevail, as they say. You're right. Let's let's let the process wait itself out. But as a hot-headed fan, I'm I'm shaking my head today, man. I'm shaking my head. It is your favorite time of the podcast. Yes, we've decided that it's your favorite time, just like we do every week. It is this week in craft beer. And then after that, Reese will review a delicious beer that he has already sneak peeked in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, But first, Reese, what news do you have for us this week in craft beer? Well, I have actual news and I have a fun, just kind of like little blip. Which one do you want to hear first? Oh, which door? Door one or door two? How about little blip? And then uh, that'll lead us into the news. Okay. I I like a little bit blip. So Inside Hook rated all the MLB parks by their craft beer selection. And going up and down this list, there were some surprises in there. I mean, for example, they ranked dead last uh, at number 30, Yankee Stadium. And even more surprising, 29th, second to last, was Los Angeles Dodgers. You'd think there'd be some actual good beer hanging in Los Angeles, right? Golden Road. Uh, Now, here's the thing. For funsies, where do you think that Kaufman landed? 
Ooh, I am going to say because of the awesome Boulevard tap that they have now. Well, they've had it for a while. I'm going to say they are in the top 10, maybe. So how about seven, Kaufman? Pretty good guess. Uh, we were ranked fifth. Fifth in really? Major League That's Baseball. Really? That's great. It is actually pretty great because, like, the we really are the break in tiers. Uh, kind of like 10 through 6 are like, these are good parks. But, like, we're in some rarefied air, and they back it up, too. So just really which, quick- which article is this, by the way, or who reported uh, this? It's Inside Hook. Hang tight. Using my multi- Multi-system Joe Rogan special stonky setup. <laughs> I'm just gonna text this while I talk to you. Hey, you uh, know what? Actually, while you while you talk about, that, I just have a quick thing to say. I was listening to Joe Rogan do a, a podcast about. Uh, I think it was uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Because oh, yeah. who who doesn't love Neil deGrasse Tyson, dude? Our quality, even though his mic is good, our quality is just as good, if not better. Like I. I listened to five minutes of it, immediately put our podcast on, like to have their sound quality. Dude, ours was good, man. Ours was just as good. Just as good. Dude, are we Trey Young? Because we're really feeling ourselves right now. <laughs> no, like do it, dude. Actually, <laughs> listeners, put get a Joe Rogan pod or whatever, like a famous one. Listen to a minute and then immediately listen to ours. Dude, he's rocking that SM7B setup, which we will too. We're giant influencers. One dude, day. We, we we have some pretty stonky presets. Anyway, I digress. Continue. Anyway, you're, t- you're totally you're totally fine. So here's the thing: as I mentioned, uh, being in the top five really put us in some rarefied air with company that I am very proud to be in. Uh, number four overall was Oracle Park, San Francisco Giants, aka AT and T Park. Let's be real. Uh, number three, a little <laughs> bit surprising, but they justified it was Guaranteed Rate Field, aka US Cellular Field, Chicago White Sox. Two, Petco huh. Park in San Diego, and number one overall was the Seattle Mariners in T-Mobile huh. Park. Now, this isn't about all of them. This is about Kansas City. So I just want to give you a, a quick blip about what they said about Kauffman Stadium. Uh, they mentioned the fact that pretty much every stand that serves beer features at least one craft offering, something that's more of a rarity than you realize in most ballparks. That's pretty cool. They also give a shout out to the Craft and Draft, which I do admit is a pretty cool part of the ballpark. It features 20 taps pouring local brews, as well as roughly 50 more available in cans and bottles. It's a super cool part of the stadium. My only problem with Craft and Draft is that it's always busy. But on the bright side, they also give a shout out to the Boulevard Pub behind Home Plate. You know, my brethren being called. I love it. And I mean, I've been to the stadium this year, but we used to have that dope like smokestack and like Rattler yep. shack out in right field. So that was fun. I remember that. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. That's so. great, dude. Great, great for Kansas City. Great for Kansas City craft. And since we are a craft beer podcast as well, like pat yourselves on the back, Kansas City community, for really mm-hmm. you know, because obviously craft beer, like everyone is doing craft beer, but yeah, I mean, Kansas City is doing it really well. Proud, proud of Kansas City. Now, I want to issue a quick challenge. Uh, T-Mobile Bar Park, Seattle Mariners, rated number one on this list. Uh, at the very end, they mentioned this year the park doubled its value beer selection, meaning you can find a significant amount of craft beer cans for five or six bucks. That's in Seattle. Why can't we do that here, guys? Do you and, know how much more? Sorry, what? Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say something different. Go ahead and finish your rant. Sorry. I, I would so you'll say you buy, you buy one like uh, you buy one beer you know it's gonna run you what probably like 16 17 bucks for a decent beer 
Uh, yep. I would easily spend over the span of nine innings. I would go two or three drinks equaling that 15 to 18 bucks. And, you know, maybe buy my friends some more beers too. be like, hey, guys, this rounds on me because it's so cheap. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, this uh, this article also highlights the Seattle Mariners and what their tap selection is. One of which it, that is highlighted is one of the beers that we reviewed. The Freem, Freem Brewery. I must have missed that. In... Uh, yeah, it says it on... Oh, there it is! Yeah, it says it like... Yeah, which is really hard to get, obviously. But yeah, that's one of the beers that I reviewed at one point. It's a good wow. brewery. Shout out to Freem. Shout out to Freem. Dude, Coffin Stadium and Rarified Company. Shout out to Coffin Stadium. All right, n- now for actual substantiated news this episode. I promise this. <laughs> uh, so, website SciTech Daily, which, to be honest, sounds like a website much more interesting to people that are good at science than myself... Uh, they did a study over the last 10 years, and they have been monitoring the trends in U.S. beer consumption. And overall, what they discovered in this is that there's actually less beer being consumed in homes. However, it's of a higher alcohol content. Oh. So you're kind of turning down the quantity for quality, so to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, I think hazy IPAs and stouts, they're, they are replacing the old Coors Rolling Rock. You know, all these all these guys that are that, yeah. that our paws would do, now we're going to Safeways, now we're going to whatever your local grocery store is, High V, and you're doing these pick sixes, which is really changing the... The palate of America, and most of these beers are higher in ABV. It's not your, it's not your mom dad's four percent, you know, Bud Light at Walmart anymore. So yeah, that all that all makes sense, and I think the the palate of America is growing in a good direction. Yeah, and I mean the encouraging thing is they're not saying we're drinking more beer that is also higher in ABV. They're saying we're drinking less beer just happens to be higher in ABV. Oh, I'm going to do another crazy off-topic thing. Go ahead. I'm I'm really pulling a Kyle on this episode. Oh, my god! Finish your thought, and then I'm going to do my crazy Kyle rant. Just going wild card on here. Well, some things they pointed out was it is worth noting that, you know, with the higher ABV consumption, that doesn't necessarily correlate to the amount of drinks, you know, because what is the national standard? About a 5 to 5.5% beer at 12 right. ounces constitutes one drink. So, like, if you're drinking, you know... What is it? You're drinking four beers in the five to six percent range, you know, normally that's four drinks. But if you drank four IPAs that are sitting in like the six to eight range, like you could realistically be drinking, you know, closer to six or seven drinks, all things considered. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of variables in here, but I personally find it interesting. I know that. I think I told you back when I had COVID and I couldn't taste. My wife's like, well, do you want a beer tonight? I'm just like, no. And she's like, why? And I'm like, well, I can't taste it. I'm not enjoying it. You know, and that kind of correlates with this graph here. I am drinking a beer that I want to drink for the experience. You know, I'm not drinking a beer just to be drinking something. I will have water with lemon juice and ice if I want something to be flavored <laughs> that I'm just drinking for the sake of drinking. That's weird, dude. That's like the alien from Men in Black when he's like, I'm going to have sugar water. <laughs> sugar water. 
<laughs> More. That's what you sounded like. Okay, back back to reality. Oh, there goes uh, and this is like future reality. Just really quickly, and then I'll I'll have you re- review the beer. But can you believe that probably in the next thirty to fifty years we're gonna have totally a- autonomous vehicles or uh, sorry automated driving vehicles, and there will never be drunk driving again. <laughs> Well, it's funny you mentioned Men in Black starring Will Smith because they have autonomous driving vehicles in Will Smith's other film, iRobot. That's right. That's right. But can, yeah, can, can you fathom that like there's probably going to be more craft brewery, more like consumption, and there's probably never going to be drunk driving again, which is like just uh, unbelievable to think about. Yeah. Just a basic, P- a basic PSA goes without saying, guys. Uh, please do not drink and drive. Please call an go. Uber. Please call Lyft. Please call me if you need, but do not drink <laughs> and drive. Amen. Speaking of which, let's drink a beer. All right, Reese. Speaking, of, yeah. Speaking of which, let's review a beer at our homes without driving. Reese, what are you reviewing for us today? Even though we partially know. Well, okay, so as I alluded to earlier on this episode, I am super excited to be reviewing for the first time on this show a beer from Single Speed Brewing in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And, you know, it's one thing to be like, my hometown has a brewery. Well, I mean, nowadays a lot of hometowns have breweries in them, you know, even if they're not good. Uh, Single Speed, dude, didn't just grow up and glow up. It's like incredible back when i was growing up in cedar falls i remember when single speed moved into the main street and it was this tiny tap room i mean couldn't be more than maybe a thousand square feet it was super small and this was really before the craft beer boom i'm like craft beer i'm like just beer in general i thought budweiser was a brewery what is this what's going on but now they have this incredible tap room they've created in this old wonder bread factory in the town over waterloo it's a hop skip and jump 10 minutes down the road and their beers are out of this world i am incredibly proud to say i'm from cedar falls and have this brewery making this quality of beer the one i'm reviewing tonight tip the cow which is a cocoa espresso milk stout was the gabf winner in the session beer category in 2020 that's no small feat guys let's be real a milk stout is a session they counted it in the session category. Wow. I mean, I'm not yeah, yeah. Argue. I'm sorry. I was just, that was just caught up on that, but that's incredibly impressive. I didn't know it, that. It's pretty fashionable. Now, this is interesting. The fact that this is 6.2 alcohol by volume, which to me is a little bit higher than a session. Maybe they did a special batch that was like session ABV, kind of like four, maybe five. Mm, I see what you mean. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, that being said, I am super excited to review this beer because. Man, I love single speed. I'm excited for you to review it. All right. So the first category for our new listeners is aroma. What is the smell on that bad boy when you crack it open? I was so animated and talking about single speed. I've been shaking this can up the whole time I realized. So let's see what happens. (laughs) It smells like foam. Their beer is so high quality that even when I was shaking it up like a madman, it did not explode in my face. How's that for Midwest nice? And if it's like cocoa, it's got a lot of stuff in it. It's okay to shake it a little bit. Get all the contents together. Mm. Wow, that beer opens up very quickly. I tell you what, you do get that cocoa smell in there. A little bit of espresso It's as it kind of opens up a little bit more. It's it's giving me like a, like a really chocolatey version of that... Uh, early riser coffee porter from boulevard i reviewed a few months Mm. ago 
Yeah, maybe a little bit of vanilla notes in there. I think, yeah, that's a pretty tasty smelling beer, man. I'm going to give the aroma on this bad boy. Uh, that's a 9-1. That's, that's good. That, that smells Out appetizing. Out the gates, a 9.1. Reese does not mess around and not messing around today. Okay, just from the appearance, it looks beautiful from my end. Tell us about the appearance. So the appearance on this one, I'm holding this up to the light and I cannot see through it, which again is incredibly impressive for just being a milk stout. The head on this bad boy, it's very... That's, that's some nice head. Yeah, the, the body on the head is very foamy, like the head you can see through the glass. The head on top is very pillowy. Uh, so it's a very attractive head. It's got a beautiful caramel color to it. And I tell you what, this thing, much like First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, is keeping its head under pressure, man. This is fantastic <laughs> looking. I'm going to give the appearance on this. Uh, let's give it another nine. It's a nine. Oh, my goodness. Two nines in a row. Reese never does that. Will he nope. continue the nine streak? If you donate $5 to Patreon, you will find... No, I'm just kidding. You'll find <laughs> it right now. Free. Okay, what is the flavor on this wonderful Eleanor Roosevelt beer? That is chocolatey. That's very chocolatey. Best way to describe it, it almost has the aftertaste of a Hershey bar in a good way, but it also... It tastes the way that cocoa powder smells. Like, you know, I mean, have you ever had this? Have you ever actually, like, eaten straight cocoa powder? You're like, mmm, this smells so delicious and chocolatey. And you're like, wow, this dries is... in your mouth. Yes, it's like, this is dry and bitter and disgusting, and I hate myself. Yes, uh, this has, I've done that before. This has all of the good, none of the bad in those regards. And again, I'll tell you what. For being a milk stout, this thing is not too sweet. We've talked about this in the show before. A lot of milk stouts, particularly lower ABV milk stouts, have the propensity to be very, uh, very thin flavored and very sweet on the end. This thing is very well balanced all the way through. Dog, I got to come through again. Nine one. Let's have some fun. Oh my goodness! Oh, mm -hmm. three nines in a row. Will it be? Oh, wait, yeah, that's three. Will it be four? We'll see. Mouthfeel, Reese. What is the mouthfeel? on this stout is it light is it heavy is it dark is it bitter what what do you feel that is firmly a medium-bodied mouthfeel and as i just mentioned a lot of milk stouts have a tendency to be kind of thin in the mouth maybe a little bit closer to a uh, water or seltzer no this is very full-bodied it's coating my mouth with flavor and effervescence in a good way the more it just kind of sits and the more i drink the more it really is just like filling my mouth with the idea that I just like drank a hot chocolate or something like that. Ooh, I mean, that's nice, but very adulty and classy. This isn't like I'm drinking chocolate milk. No, it's like this is like elbow chocolate, Christopher elbow chocolate. Ooh. That's what I'm shooting for, dog. That is Only exactly Kansas what Kansas City fans will get that. Yeah. So mouthfeel on this. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I quoted Eminem earlier, but I want everyone oh, to know no. I'm not a stan. So I'm just going to give this thing an 8.8 .8 in mouthfeel. It's a touch on the heavy side for this style of beer for my taste, but it's still very high quality. Again, 8.8 .8 is still high marks. Still high marks. That's wonderful. And our penultimate category aftertaste, do you get a little bit different taste? You still get the espresso, you still get the vanilla or something new. What's super interesting about this beer is the fact I think of a lot of the different things I've reviewed on this show, 
This is the one that maintains the closest taste going down as it does afterwards in the aftertaste category. There's not a whole lot of difference. Uh, I've had beers like this before where it's like you drink it and going down is chocolate. You breathe back up, you taste coffee or you taste the bitterness from the hops. This is very uniform. Uh, Flavor-wise, I would liken it to... Have you ever gone to a Ghirardelli and had the drinking chocolate? No. Oh, my gosh. In okay. Seattle? Uh, it might be in Seattle. They have it in San Francisco. They have it in Chicago. But go to Ghirardelli sometime. Ask for the smallest drinking chocolate they have and share it with Logan because you do not want that much by yourself. You will die. But this is very similar to that in regards to its flavor profile. Very rich and chocolatey. A lot of bitterness without being like in the dark chocolate realm of things. It's a very mature tasting beer. And for maintaining its integrity, guess what? Not seven, not eight, but nine. Ooh, 9.0. straight 9.0. And again, 9.0 is great. Uh, we, we've done, you know, a couple of reviews with brewers, right? We did it with um, Courtney Service. We did it with um, Carlton from KC Beer. And even they were like, oh, aftertaste. I never really thought of that for certain things. So so for it to be a uniform taste, that even the, the highest in, in their field agree with that, that sometimes it should be uniform. Wonderful. And last but not least, we have the BDQ, the Busio Dunkability <laughs> Quotient. <laughs> Busio Dunk. You think Busio can dunk? Oh, probably. He, hot take, Busio probably has a better jump shot than Ben Simmons. I think you're probably right in those regards. Okay, uh, we're going to put this poll up this week. Do you guys think John Lucabuzio could dunk a basketball? Okay, but for... Who would, who would Doc Rivers rather have? <laughs> okay, so the Busio dunkability quotient on this bad boy. Uh, man, I told you I'm not a stan, but you best believe that I'm a Simpson because I'm Homer, baby. I am so proud that this is one of the flagship beers coming out of a brewery in my hometown. Everything about this beer screams maturity. This is not like the local small town craft brewery that's like a bunch of glorified large-scale homebrew. No, this is a big, stonk, big-time beer as is evidenced by winning that gold medal at GABF. I tell you what, the lace is holding on here. I've still got some head hanging out here. The color of this, I can still see some of the foam coming through. Flavor being the same coming up as it was going down. There's a lot of great stuff going in this beer. And for that reason, this gets a very strong BDQ of 9.7. Holy moly. We got a ton of nines. Just one high eight. Reese. In the So we, we would categorize this as a milk stout. Is this the best milk stout that you've had? See, this is what's difficult, is I need to do a little bit more research on what technically constitutes into a milk stout because there's so much going in here that I feel like it has to be stretching the bounds of what technically classifies that beer in the sure. same sense of how like GABF is like, well, you dry hop tank seven, therefore it's not a, bar a Belgian farmhouse style beer. Right. And it's like, okay. So again, I'm not saying they're cheating. I'm just saying like, if there's no strings attached on this, if this beer is playing Little League ball and it really is 13 years old, man, this thing's a future Hall of Famer. 
<laughs> well, we will. I'm, I'm going to have to try a sip of that when I uh, get to, I, you know, I'm probably going to drive through Iowa when I come back from New York, but maybe I'll try some and maybe we may have the um, Mount Crushmore conversation. We'll see. Do this. When you come back from New York, uh, drive and take 80 West. Take 80 West and keep uh, hugging through Chicago. And once you're in Chicago, take 20. 20 will take you to Cedar Falls. I'll come up to Cedar Falls and meet you boys. And we'll just like kick it there for a bit. How how far is Cedar Falls from Des Moines? Uh, it's it's a long two hours if you drive fast. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but... Yeah. You got to go south. Take 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 uh, Cedar Falls south to Des Moines, Des Moines south to Kansas City, and then just go back to Colorado. Then Colorado, okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, looks like we are planning my road trip live on the pod, and I love it. Stay tuned for some more uh, road tripping uh, advice. But other than that, Reese, great review. Um, wonderful beer. I cannot wait to try it, and I can't wait to go to this brewery. That sounds wonderful. If, if you, any of our um, Iowa contingent out there, make your way out there and give us a shout on how things are out there. super excited after having that delicious beer and get a chance to review that man uh you know i played i played a lot of soccer growing up in cedar falls iowa so what a great transition to talk about my new favorite team sporting kansas city and boy oh boy is there a lot going on with this team right now we are in the thick of the season and speaking of which we can't tell the story of this season without telling the chapter on the growth and development of homegrown stud john luca busio Uh, As we've mentioned before, he's been receiving some offers from some serious international teams. He's gotten a few offers from some Italian clubs from Syria. Uh, Sporting Kansas City has rejected a few offers so far. There was uh, talk that they got a $4 million offer from Fiorentina, and they were also getting uh, inquiries from Sassuolo and Parma. Uh, Now, Tom Bogert previously reported interest in a German and a top Netherlands club. That's all he said. But more recently, he's tweeted that Sporting's been receiving offers from Sporting Lisbon from the uh, Portugal Premier League, as well as an unnamed French, an unnamed Belgian club, and two more offers from Syria. So right now, it has been said that Sporting Kansas City's asking price for Busio is likely in the $5 million plus add-ons plus sell-on percentage range. So, Armando, looking into your crystal ball, what winds up happening with Busio this season? Well, it, it, I mean, one, he is, I think he is going to be sent away at some point this season. This has been a story for years. This isn't just a one season story. This has been a climax of stories and the stories just keep getting larger in quantity, right? So when it first started happening a couple of years ago, it was maybe one or two offers. Now it looks like we're getting like a, a new offer every week. So I think eventually he he is going to get traded or sorry, sent away this season. Uh, it's just a matter of what price does sporting want? So we're looking, like you said, 5 million plus add-ons plus sell on percentage. I've heard upwards north of like 15 mil which for what it looks like it's not looking like it's going to be that i think if 
I think if sporting gets something close to 10, maybe eight or nine, then they're going to have to pull the trigger on it. I think it's just sporting, you know, just really talking him up just to see if they can get a high bidder, but they're just going to keep fielding offers because they're not going away. So I think they're just going to see what the arms race is going to hold and he's going to be gone. Well, I'd like to believe that in my heart of hearts, they could get something similar to what we paid for Alan Pulido in that eight to nine million dollar transfer fee range. But I mean, right now, it seems that people are really lowballing him for yeah, some reason. Mil. I mean, considering the fact that he's still under 20 years old, uh, he has that Italian passport and he has taken notable steps this year. Last year, it's like, yeah, he's coming along nicely this year. Dude, he looks like a stud. He's He's playing different positions and playing them all very well, which is His football IQ has gone through the roof. His passing is on point. He's seeing plays and shots and passes develop in a way that not many people in MLS are able to do. I'm really happy with this. I think, I think the fact that it's come out that we're looking for that $5 million range, which isn't much more than we've gotten so far tells me that maybe there's someone that Peter Vermees has his eye on that he wants to acquire that's going to be $5 million. So he's like, okay, forget it. If we can get $5 million for Busio, we'll consider this kind of like a one versus one wash trade right here and we can acquire this guy right away. Do you think there's somebody that Peter Vermees has his eye on or do you think he's going to stick to the fact he's been calling a lot of guys up from the academy and be like, we're going to fill his role in-house? I haven't heard that... Sporting is looking at a particular person. Um, I actually haven't heard a lot of striker talk or any, you know, um, any forward talk. Um, so I can't speculate or report on that. Um, but I will say I think there are a lot of great house options that we have. I mean, we're going to talk about Shallowy a lot next week, I'm sure. Um, but Shallowy, from what it looks like right now, he's looking like the guy. We still have. Alan Pulido, uh, Johnny Russell, hot and cold Johnny. We still got him. Um, but I think there's there's so much young talent that is still untapped, right? Like Shallowy is just tapped this year, but even past Shallowy, we still have so many different players that we've seen in preseason do really well. I think there's a lot of midfielders, there's a lot of forwards, a lot of strikers that we have on the depth chart that we still haven't really tapped potential. Um, so I would say that those are some players to look at in the future if we do replace Buzio, but I don't think we're going to grab someone to replace him outside. It'll be in-house. Okay, so ultimately, how do you think this affects Sporting's chances going forward in the regular MLS season? I mean, for what it looks like, you know... Shallowy, Polito, Kinda, um, all of the guys that are positioned well on our offense are doing well without Busio. I think even even today as this podcast stands after the Portland sporting game, sporting still had the most goals um, in the MLS. So I think offensively we are okay without Busio. And I think that's okay for us to say as well. Like we shouldn't be desperate to maybe overspend on the transfer market for someone to replace Busio. I think we're still in a very good position offensively. And we've talked about on this podcast, Offense is not necessarily what we need right now, right? We need a, a solid defense to to juxtapose this great offensive strike. What do you think? Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend that this wouldn't be a blow to Sporting Kansas City if we didn't have Busio for the rest of the season. 
I think he is one of the top three most talented players on the roster. He might be the most important, though, in regards to what he brings to the offensive flow and the leadership as a whole. Obviously, I hope we would get to keep him. Maybe they would loan him back out to us, you know, come playoff time. But I think it would be just it would just make things more difficult for sporting. I think they could still contend in the West. They would still have a shot at the MLS Cup if they continue on this trajectory. But I mean, you take the spice out of the recipe, you know, it's going to be a little more bland. Now, speaking of Busio and his accomplishments, uh, and also speaking of your incredible oracleness, last podcast, you were bemoaning the fact that Tim Melia never got a chance to get called up to the U.S. men's national team despite being well into his 30s. Well, guess Hours what? Hours later. Blah, blah, blah. Hours later, the preliminary U.S. men's national team Gold Cup player pool was revealed. And Tim Melia was named in a pool of five goalkeepers, and our boy John Lucabusio was named in a pool of 18 midfielders. Armando, do you think either of these guys make the final Gold Cup roster? I mean, I'm going to um, die down my oracleness and say probably not. I think I think it's great that both of these guys were selected. They're finally getting the attention that they are due. Um, but unfortunately, they're kind of in that first step, right? It's like you're being called in, but they, they still need a couple more tries until they get selected to the roster. I I just, I mean, I think they definitely deserve a spot, but because of what we've seen in the past from the U.S. men's national team overlooking both of these guys, I don't think so. Maybe Busio makes the roster, but I think Melia does not. What do you think? I'm going to agree with you, but I think it's uh, not quite as murky as you make it out to be. I think ultimately, I don't think Melia makes the roster just because, like I said, he's a little bit older. You know, they got some younger guys in that pool yeah. that probably deserve it. But that's what plays in Busio's favor is the fact that he is a younger guy, and I think he's got a shot for making the next World Cup roster. You know, I think there's a very good chance of that. And I mean this with all due respect to this Gold Cup player pool. Everyone's got a great accomplishment. Just looking at the preliminary pool in comparison to who our final team was for that nation's tournament we just be mexico this very much feels like kind of the b squad pool of players everybody like almost everybody in this pool is an mls player whereas our national team for the last tournament and that pool as a whole had a lot of our european squad yeah. players over here i mean there's no mckinney there's no pulisic all those guys so I think there's a chance they might say, guess what? Busio is going to be the next hot thing in midfielder for this national team. We should start getting him some caps, getting him some international reps. Let's get him on this squad. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be really cool to have Busio on there because you're right. That that young team with with um, Polisic with McKinney, like all those guys are studs, right? And they're and they're studs in leagues that are far superior than 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 the MLS. So I think for Busio to like what I personally think he holds his own with those guys playing in the MLS right now. It's like, dude, we got to get this guy. And so, yeah, I totally believe that in the future he will be a star on the men's national team. Absolutely. You love to see it. Now, speaking of stars, this past week our star was not shining bright against the Portland Timbers. In front of a packed house, Portland's first game with non-restricted uh, audience participation, so to say, we fell 2-1 to one after taking a 1-0 lead early on in the game. Just going to walk through some highlights of what went on here. 
Portland came out of the gate screaming with a great attempt in the third minute. Fantastic save by Amelia. Very scary attempt by Portland. Then in the 28th minute, Polito shows up with a great shot attempt, a fantastic second effort to save the ball from the goal line, and then he sets up Jalen Lindsay, who finishes in just spectacular, spectacular fashion. Unfortunately, less than 10 minutes later, Aspria, is that how you say it? Aspria? Yeah. So Aspria comes, he has two shots off of a free kick set piece. And unfortunately, the second shot went in after the first one was blocked by the wall. I'll tell you what, it was a very unattractive goal. They both really looked like just blind hack and pray shots that he's just like, I'm going to receive this ball and shoot it. I don't even know where I'm going to shoot it, but I'm going to shoot it. And the second one just kind of skipped in there. 1-1, and it was sort of all downhill the rest of the way. In the first minute of stoppage time, Fontas whiffs, just whiffs on a clearance. The ball piddles around, and it finds Loria, who just piddles it in again for a goal. 2-1 Portland right before halftime. I'm just, (laughs) in my notes, I just jotted down, just awful. Just awful. (laughs) Uh, Sporting had a couple shots in the second half. Uh, in the 66th minute, Felipe Hernandez puts a Steve Clark on skates, but then sends the ball wide of the goal. That was probably the best look we had all half. Uh, Fontas picks up a yellow in the 69th minute, and then in the second minute of stoppage time, Busio with a beautiful cross to Polito, who chests it. One hop, volley, just wide on the outside of the net and it kills me because watching that real time i stood up because i thought that went in i'm like why aren't they celebrating i know it 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 it, uh, hits the like left side of the uh the net where it looks like it did go on the left side but of course it was on the outside of it very frustrating but i've seen guys in euros the last two weeks miss easier goals than that so that's not on him that's not on him Uh, But long story short, uh, unfortunately, we do not continue our trend of stealing points away on the road and sporting leaves with a big old zero from this matchup. Armando, what are your takeaways from this game? You know, hats off to Jalen Lindsay. I know we've talked about him a couple times on this pod, but he's really showing some great leadership on the team, some great soccer IQ Um, that, you know, I think beforehand we wouldn't have seen things like this with someone as young as Jalen Lindsay, someone as inexperienced as Jalen Lindsay. But um, that goal was a freaking laser on the top right side. I mean, it, it didn't even look like luck. It looked like, you know, he had practiced that at some point, just a beautiful goal. And he's playing really good defense. So hats off to Jalen Lindsay. Again, Jalen Lindsay's only playing because Zussi's injuries, right? He wasn't, he wasn't meant to be this, like this, uh, this, Roman Coliseum in in on on our defense, but he's really looking like it. So I really like that. Uh, but then on the flip side, this is again the second week that we're talking negatively about Fontas, right? Fontas whiffing, like you said on that on that forty fifth minute, and. It seems like we've we've had this inconsistent play from Fontas. I actually don't remember us talking too highly of him on on any of the matches that we've covered. So we still need to find some, you know, another Roman Coliseum or a Roman column on the defense because it's not looking like it's Fontas. It's not looking like it's Elie, right? So we need to find some combinations there. I know Peter can do it, uh, but that's really going to propel us forward, especially with these young guys. You know, as long as we can keep Busio, having Polito out there, having Kinda out there. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing that I saw. You know, I'm not too worried about this, and, and neither was um, P. 
Peter Vermees. Peter Vermees actually was was saying how proud he was of the control that we had of the ball. Like I forgot what what the specific stat was on like ball control in comparison to Portland, but we just blew him away. Like like we just had so much confidence on the offensive side, and he was really proud of that. I guess. Um, so I'm gonna hold still with like fine. We we lose this match, but there is there was a good takeaway on offense and thank God for Jalen Lindsay. What do you think? Well, I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. Uh, first things first, this game sucked. We're going to have games like this. You can't win them all. You're just going to have some days where the ball doesn't bounce your way, where crappy goals happen. Dad, you, lose. <laughs> you, you just, you just lose games like this. And you know, about sit, half sit down, son, I'm going to teach you about life. Yeah, seriously. So about 15 minutes uh, into the second half, I just realized, I'm like, hey, I'm like, we're going to lose this one. It's okay. It's one game. Which we- is which is crazy. 15 minutes in, like, like when's the last time that sporting has been up in a game, right? In the, oh, yeah. in the first half. When's the first time we've been up in a match and ten, you still think we're going to lose? We've taken away 10 points in our last five matches. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Now, that being said, I do not have an actual scroll or sound effect in front of me, so I'm going to have to juxtapose this with my own homemade sound effect as I unravel my list of complaints about this match. (laughs) Here we we go, referees. That's, That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Number one, I would sooner drink the last rolling rock that's sitting in the melted water in a open sun cooler than have to watch Fontas ever play again for Sporting Kansas City. <laughs> he is not the answer after Armando and I went to bat for him early on in the season saying, I think there's a future in Fontas. I think there's a future in Fontas. Guess what? No, there is not a future in Fontas. That's number one. Number two, Chara on Portland, got away with so much stuff. And this isn't me going classic raging referees. This is just me saying, I was texting my buddy saying, yo, Chara has now been part of four fouls or not fouls that were fouls, and he got the benefit of all four of those bad boys. So Chara, guess what? You just made the list. Third and final point here, Portland For having such a great soccer-specific stadium, why do you guys have high school turf on your freaking field? And they pointed this out multiple times on the broadcast. So, like, it's kind of really an unfair home field advantage because, like, balls just skip and don't do anything natural on this crap. So the only way to, like, prepare for it is to play on all the time like Portland does. It was so evident in the way that our offense was really exerting themselves to get balls under control. Basic passes were skipping just a bit too far. The first touch was always just a bit too long. That was the story of the game. And you know what? It's no different than when you go and play baseball in a stadium where like left field is like 275 and like a shin height wall. That's just a thing. Not everybody plays at Kauffman Stadium. But Portland... For being such this wonderful soccer mecca of enlightenment, you really (laughs) got to get some field grass installed in that stadium. I tell you what. That's a fiery Reese right there. You know what? I didn't pay attention to the grass. That was a really good point. Because you're right. I mean, that, that is a big advantage if it is like very different from other other people's fields. Well, and part of it, too, is the fact that I've been watching Euro the last couple weeks. You know, all those fields are immaculate, man. They're beautiful grass fields that look so gorgeously cut. The checker designs, the lines, it's wonderful to look at. 
This looks like I'm looking at some D2 or D3 college football stadium, man. It's so ugly, and it shows in the detriment of the play. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's as bad as the Oakland Coliseum back when the Raiders had like straight-up infield dirt on the 30-yard line. It's not that bad, but I tell you what, it's closer to that than the other side, that's for sure. (laughs) I'm I'm, uh, getting the sense you don't like the Portland Timbers. You think? You think? No. <laughs> Welcome to Kansas City, baby. It's very true. If I could sick George Washington on him, I totally would do just that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But going forward, I, I don't think this is a, a trend of things to come. We're getting a lot of guys back on international duty. I do not believe Gotti Keen to play this match, or at least if he did, he was so silent. He may as well not have been playing. Alan Pulido looked a little bit off from everybody else. I think yeah, it's just going to take didn't look time. Great. The players just need to kind of re-gel after a lot of them been doing international tours of duty. This is the first time back together after that, you know, 10-day break they had. Like I said, matches like this are just going to happen. Say la vie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this definitely doesn't move the, like, pendulum for us. I mean, this is just what happened. You're right. I think once everyone gets healthy, you know, once we have everyone consistently, you're right, from international play, I think we'll be fine minus the defense. That's still the big hole, still the big question mark. No answers seem to be had. Oh, we'll see. So we got to play Oracle one last time before the end of this episode. And as we always do, we talk about the next three matches Sporting Kansas City has coming up. So next three matches coming up for Sporting Kansas City. We have Colorado Rapids at home, Children's Mercy Park. We have LAFC on the 26th at Children's Mercy Park. And then we head out to LA Galaxy at Dignity Health Sports Park. So we have three pretty big matches coming through. These are going to be big tell games. Uh, As you know, I personally love the city of Los Angeles and despise both of their clubs. What do you see happening over these next three games? I mean, it's it's interesting to see the Rapids at fourth right now. Yeah. Um, in in the West, I mean, we've we've always had the Colorado Rapids number, so I think we'll be fine against the Colorado Rapids. I mean, just because of the history that we've had with them. Uh, but yeah, that was weird to see. I think against LAFC, that's going to be a good match. You know, LF. LAFC hasn't been playing up to where they normally play to. Um, they've had only three wins this year. Three wins, three draws, three losses. Um, and not a lot of goals scored, man. It's really not great. So I think we can pull that one off. I think you know our, our offense is doing extremely well. I think we can really shell it out. Busio is not going to leave tomorrow. So we'll probably have Busio for LAFC, fingers crossed. And it's going to be a great game. Uh, or sorry, a great match. Watch on ESPN. Uh, against the Galaxy, I would love to be optimistic. But the Galaxy are playing really well this year, just like they always do. We probably lose that one. What do you think? Um, I would like to believe that with it being kind of like a diet rivalry match against Colorado, we come out and we really show them up. Uh, I don't think we're going to get back to our scoring output, but I'm going to call at least two goals against Colorado. Coming after that against LAFC, uh, guess what? It's time to reignite my hashtag of hashtag Alan Pulido is the greatest player in MLS history. He played for LAFC. They talk about him in the same vein as, uh, oh, geez, I forgot the whole thing. Uh, Yes, that. He's going to show up Carlos Vela. He's going to show up Diego Rossi, and he's going to show that he is the best pure player in the MLS. So I expect us in front of a capacity crowd, get out to Children's Mercy and cheer them on. 
I'm going to call a 2-1 thriller over LAFC. That's six points in our next two matches. Heading out to LA Galaxy. Okay, we don't do so well on these West Coast road <laughs> trips. I'm not going to lie. I think we leave there. We cool off a little bit. Maybe we get embarrassed. 2 nothing going out in LA. Case in point, I'm looking for, at the very least, four points in these next three, but I'm calling six. All right. Yeah, I, I, look, it's going to be great. I'm really excited about the Sporting KC LFC, LAFC match. That's going to be amazing. Yes, sir. Bob. Well, unfortunately, that's about all the time we have this week on Fountain City Sports Media. We had laughs. We had cries. We had fantastic beers and fantastic ties. Armando, what are you up to for the rest of your week? I'm coming to see you, dude. Yes, you are. You're coming I to see am, me. I am going to Cooperstown, as I've said, and I'm going to pass by Kansas City, and I'm going to hang out with the referees, and we are going to hit up some breweries. We will let you know next week possibly what we did. Maybe maybe we'll forget about what we did. Who knows? But uh, stay tuned. It'll be a great time. And yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing you. It's been a while. We'll, we'll do like a meet and greet somewhere at like... I don't know, call sign brewery and be like, hey, you guys here at the Fountain City Sports Media meet and greet? And they'll say, uh, no, we're here wondering why you've been sitting at this table for the last six hours. Buy a beer, get out. You and I spend like all of our Patreon money on like like a, a just a jumbo size banner of Fountain City Sports Media. And we have like a like a cheap table and a tent We're like, oh, are you here to learn more about Fountain City Sports Media? And then like and then call signs like, hey, we've called the cops. If you guys can leave, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, crap. We misspelled fountain. Oh, this is going to be this is going to be a long day. Oh, it's not fountain. It's actually Fonta Sport Media. Crap. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support. So consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Sports Media.